Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Hey there, Angie Austin here with the Good News, along with Jim Stovall, author, speaker, movie maker, talking about his Winner's Wisdom weekly column, and this week it's contractualism. Welcome, Jim. Well, it is always great to be with you. Okay, so contractualism, what, that's a great word, by the way. Well, it is, uh, you know, I, there's uh, tens of thousands of words in the English language, but every once in a while I just make one up. Is that and, made up? Um, yes, yes. I love and, it. Uh, I love your new word. Oh, I, last year my new big word was, instead of uh, procrastinating, I came up with precrastinating, like doing stuff early. That was but, good. But uh, contractualism it. has to deal with the fact that we all we live in a new world. And, you know, we talk to each other like you and I are talking now. But then when we come to a point where we're going to agree to something that is legal, then we start talking another language because we've entered into the world of contractualism. And I have to talk to my lawyer who talks to your lawyer who talks to you. And, you know, it creates all kinds of problems. And it's a necessary evil in the world we live in that we have to deal with these contracts. And unfortunately, when someone presents you with a contract and asks you to sign it, it's not to protect your rights, your goals, and your dreams. It's to protect theirs. So you've always got to be careful because, uh, you know, a, a pen that you sign a contract with is as dangerous as a loaded gun. You've got to treat it with respect. And, you know, these are the things we have to deal with. And at the end of the day, Angie, the contract you sign, as meticulous as you may have been with it, it's only as good as the word and the integrity and the honor of the person you signed the contract with. Beyond that, they have very little force and very little value. Pardon me, so true. <laughs> now, you talk about them being a necessary evil in the world that we live in. And, you know, there are some people that, I don't know, there's been a very few people I've met in my life that have the handshake contract that, you know, I know that can't be legally, uh, you know, used, but I did buy a house from a guy who kind of believed in that. Now, we did the contract, of course, but I don't remember if I told you this, but he, oh gosh, what a great guy he was. You know, when you, uh, is, uh, when you buy a home, there there's even an inspection and then you ask people to fix things. And really, I didn't ask them to fix anything. And then he and his wife asked me if... Um, if they could see a copy of it. And my real estate agent said, well, that's not really done. You know, you paid for that. You don't need to show it to them. And I thought, eh, why not? You know, I mean, uh, I don't know. I kind of felt like him. Just, you know, honesty uh, is, mm -hmm. is, a, is a great quality to have. And I felt that about him. So anyway, I send him this. And again, I asked for nothing to be fixed. He fixed every single little thing they found wrong, which wasn't much, mind you. But he did it without me asking or me making it a part of the deal because he just felt like, well, I just didn't want her to get as perfect, you know, a home as I can give her. And if they found anything wrong, he took such pride in, you know, he built the home um, in it that he just wanted everything just right before he like released it to me and charged me nothing. And he, um, his wife said, he's a, he's a handshake contract kind of guy, you know, so he just wants to make sure everything is done perfectly. And I, I still am in touch with them, Jim, and have someone, in fact, I just emailed them this morning asking about up their hardwood guy she's come over to get uh pieces of the plants you know that i i've never kept yeah. in touch with anyone that i sold a house to or bought a house from and these people really did become friends and um i just so respect someone that not only honors a contract that you almost don't need one because you know they have so much integrity and you know how rare that is 
Oh, it is. And, you know, and I do business with people who have the highest integrity, but I still, unfortunately, you have to have a basic agreement. I do business with my brother, with my father, with good friends of mine. And um, we still have a contract, not because I don't trust them, not because I don't enforce it, but it's, it's a memory tool. Because if there's something that goes awry and is, you know, I don't want to get into an argument. I don't want to ruin this valuable relationship over something stupid. We don't remember it. We just go back to the agreement and here's what we agreed to. And, you know, I like a very simple agreement. I, I, um, I just, uh, less than an hour ago, I walked off stage from a convention where I was speaking before I sat down to talk to you. And, you know, I had a basic, uh, you know, I don't even call it a contract or, or an agreement. It's just, uh, I call it a confirmation. I will be there on this day at this time. I will speak for this long. Here's what I understand you want me to do. Um, and if for any reason you're not happy, 100% ecstatic with what happens, you don't owe me anything. So it's really simple. If you are happy, here's how much you pay me. And if this meets with your understanding and agreement, please respond. And that's my entire deal with them. Now, there are companies I work for. Some of them, they have a you know multi-page contract they want me to sign on their end. But if somebody says, do you have a contract? I said, I'll just send you something that confirms our understanding. And, you know, and I've never had a problem. I'm very grateful after these 40 years in business. I've never sued anybody. I've never been sued. And, uh, you know, if, if your intention is to treat everybody like you'd like to be treated and make everything right and uh, like the gentleman you bought the house from, um, you know, contracts are, are really not that important. And if you're dealing with a, a shyster or someone that's a low integrity, the contract really won't help you that much. It, uh, you know, so it just kind of outlines the, the intent of the parties. And if they didn't have good intent in the beginning, um, it's not going to help you too much. Now, when you talk about um, contracts, you say they're, they're uh, to, to be prudent, um, but less uh, may prove to be more. And I think about when I sign my kids up for... Uh, they're sports, and you're like, yeah, you design something, and you send a check-in, right? No, it's like 40 pages of things you check to agree with, and I'm sure that that all follows a trail back to lawsuits against school districts because it is mind-blowing, and I'm not exaggerating, Jim, when I say it's just like page after page after page of, I agree with this, and I've read this, and yes, I agree that I understand this, and it's like, oh my gosh. All I can think of when I fill all that out uh, is how many times they must have been sued to make a contract this long for a kid to play volleyball when they're 14. Oh, absolutely. And then there are a few contracts, like when we get married. Mine continues to grow because I have no memory of the day I got married. I was so nervous. And so Crystal says, well, you may not remember, but when we took these vows, I mean, the minister clearly mentioned this and this and this. And so uh, it just continues to grow throughout the years. That's hilarious. And then it works for me because I can agree to that because, uh, uh, you know, I'm going to do uh, my life's about whatever makes Crystal happy is what we do. So that it, it just works all the way around. Do you think a lot of this, um, you know, the way that you uh, look at uh, legalese, you know, uh, 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 does it all, some of it go back to the attorney, the first attorney that you ever had? I think so, yes. I think of him and, you know, he taught me, uh, you always do what you say you're going to do, you know, undersell and overdeliver and uh, be very careful who you do business with and be very careful what you commit to. 
because uh, if you know you're going to have to do it, you know, there are people, they'll run around and tell you anything because they really don't deep down intend to do it anyway. But if you know that you, when, when I commit myself to something, I'm going to have to go do this, just that knowledge makes you very careful what you commit to. You know, I think back, um, you talked about doing bro- uh, business with your brother and with your father. I think back, you know, many years ago when I was in college, um, <clears throat> my brother's girlfriend at the time wanted to borrow money from me. Uh, they did end up getting married, divorced now, but I really didn't know her that well, and I had no interest in loaning her any money at all. Uh, I knew she was bad with her money, and that's why she needed money. So anyway, to make a long story short, I said, okay, that at $500, which doesn't sound like much, but when you're in college, it is. Oh, it's so a ton, I, yeah. I had her fill out... Um, um, you know, just an IOU form, basically, that said she borrowed this money from me and that there was, um, you know, uh, a date when she was expected to return the money, etc. And uh, she was very offended by that. But I feel like when you ask family and or friends uh, to sign something, if they're asking you for that money, it almost, you know, holds them accountable. It's almost a favor to them to make them honest so they don't have this thing trailing them for the rest of their lives that they ripped off someone who was allegedly close to them. And when she finally did return the money to me, she was very bitter about it and threw it um, across the table at me while we were at my brother's graduation from West Point. We were at some dinner and she's like, you want your money so bad? You know, here it is. But my feeling was it, it just it keeps people honest and if you oh, don't yeah, and, and if you don't and, do that with family you're almost asking for trouble oh yeah and, and this is your brother's girlfriend at the time and then you know later your your sister-in-law and you, you know angie you're trying to maintain a good relationship okay i'll loan you this money and you, you're going to pay me back in october well it comes to october if you say where's my money and she said no no you said february no i said october now you've got a problem but if you say, well, no, here's the little agreement we signed, and oh, okay, and it, it just clarifies those things and takes them off the table. But, you know, this is a, a young lady that you dealt with that uh, lost the, uh, the the vision of gratitude. I mean, banks and financial institutions are make billions of dollars loaning people money. You did her a favor, and she acted like it was some obligation, you know, to pay you back. And, you know, she should have felt privileged for that. But uh, no, I think it's always good to at least reduce it to writing. I mean, Angie, we don't go to the grocery store without a list of stuff we want to buy because we don't want to waste our time. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, if you're going to have an agreement with particularly with someone you care about, you at least want to write it down and, and get clear on it. Now, you and I, um, you know, we talk about these columns every week, and um, at the at the end, basically, you have a moral of the story, and then you end with today's the day to really, you know, to achieve your dreams, to get going on whatever those goals are. So what's the takeaway from this article? Well, I, I don't even remember what I wrote in this, but I, I think, you know, the takeaway is if it's worth doing, it's worth reducing to writing and get it down. Yeah, and simple. I like how you say that less can be more. All right, I know you keep big lists about everything that you're you know, doing in your calendar, and I, I so admire the way that you organize your life with your team of people who help you do that. What do you put down for the summer? Are there certain things? I know you leave an hour for your wife in the morning, but since we're in the midst of summer and my kids are having so much fun, they were out on the golf course last night in the golf carts. And by the way, we don't golf, but we've lived next to golf courses for many of the years of my marriage. Anyway, they were out there running through the sprinklers last night. I have eight teenagers at the house today. And so um, that's what they were doing, running through the sprinklers at 1030 at night on the golf course with um, with golf carts. Uh, So uh, I'm sure that's not part of your plan for uh, the the summer, because I'm assuming as a blind man, you don't golf. But (laughs) what what do you have planned? 
Well, I actually, well, my wife and I are members at a golf club, and I, we actually had the PGA Championship there recently. So I did actually get out on the course, and uh, you and uh, you know, and uh, I hit a couple of balls occasionally. But no, that is I, so cool. A, Seriously, so you and Crystal go out there. Well, yeah, we went out. I mean, I, I, I occasionally I'll go and hit a golf ball here and there. And, you know, my, I, I've gone out with my father. He plays. but And, you know, my biggest problem when I played when I was a kid and I could see was I would lift up my head too quick and look at where the ball's going, and I'd top it, and it'd just roll around the ground. <laughs> now I, I'm not great advantage. I can keep my head down. i got nothing to look at, so you may as well just uh, – hit it so you know my dad as he put it he said well you're no worse than you used to be so i mean at least i got that going for me but uh, <laughs> no i i uh, started the summer as i always do with our family reunion and got together with everybody and then i just spent several days out on the island uh, in mission bay in san diego doing an event that's always part of my summer and looking forward to uh, you know a lot of family stuff and it's all on the calendar and uh, and then, you know, of course, the highlight, I get to talk to Angie every week, and that's always fun. Definitely a highlight for me as well. All right, and what's the next book coming out? The What's this going to be? It, this one is called Passport to Success. It's a novel I wrote uh, about a guy that uh, loses everything and then finds it all back. I like that. And which number book is this? 50-something. Oh, I don't know because I have a couple in the pipeline, but it's past 50. Oh, my God. All right, Jim, your website. Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. You are killing me, 50-something. All right, my friend, talk to you next week. I, I really look forward to our, media, our radio meetings. Be well. Westminster is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT Denver. When you shop at your local ARC, your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities. 80% of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed. At ARC thrift stores, approximately 20% of their employees are individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities. ARC Thrift is one of Colorado's most prominent employers for people with disabilities. They provide extra support for their employees, allowing them to decide how they live, learn, and work through the ARC Ambassadors program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year. ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission of going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Shop at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find your nearest location at arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. The Good News with Angie Austin. Hello there, friend. Joined by Dr. Cheryl Lentz, academic entrepreneur. She helps you write books. She is a speaker. She is a professor. She is an organ player. She is a dancer. Boy, make me sound really good. I'm going to hire you as my press agent. Yeah, you're pretty interesting. I don't, I don't know why you aren't taken. I'll tell you that much because you are bright and beautiful and just you are a crack up. You just, I, oh my I just gosh. Cr you crack you. me up. Mike and I used to joke that if you, um, if we were in a group with you and we had to organize something, right, that you would have a clipboard and a whistle and you would get us all in line. <laughs> Just call me Julie McCoy, your cruise director. <laughs> I could just see you. I can't wait to family camp, people camp when you and I are together because I can just see it now. All right. What's the book we're talking about today? 
This is an oldie but a goodie. This is Daniel Goldman's Social Intelligence, The New Science of Human Relationships. This Whoa. is research that started way back during my doctoral program. And so this book and Daniel Goldman's research goes back to October 2006. But it's not a new concept. It's a well-researched concept. I just pulled out the original book from years ago because they're classics. And you still look at a lot of these things because we talk a lot about these skills. In the last segment, we were looking at soft skills, you know, the idea between intelligence, IQ, and what Daniel Coleman looks like is social intelligence, EQ. And it gives the ability is, you know, think of Sheldon Cooper from The Big Bang Theory, right? How socially awkward he is, how he just doesn't kind of catch a clue with sarcasm. Yes, and yes, on the spectrum kind of guy. Exactly. And there's a lot of research that will show. I mean, think about the and guys, don't don't get insulted here for a minute. Hang with me. Is the nerdy engineer, a brilliant electrical engineer, a brilliant mechanical engineer. Exactly. But has absolutely and they're the most amazing person you've ever talked to, but is socially awkward. And they're saying that the engineers who have the social skills are the ones that are going to get promoted faster because those social skills are what humanize it. So it's not just the intelligence, the IQ in your head that makes you brilliant. It's the ability to express it and have that social element and those soft skills that we talk about quite a bit that will get you farther than just having the IQ. And I think this is great research that really has been continued um, up until 2022. We do a lot of this in my doctoral research with my kids, and it's just amazing that there are social awareness, social awareness and social facility. Those are the skills you're looking for in social intelligence. And there's a lot who are missing those skills. All right. So the book, again, this is Daniel Goleman, Beyond IQ, Beyond Emotional Intelligence, Social Intelligence, The Revolutionary New Science of Human Relationships. Good Lord, that's a long title. <laughs> well, that's one of the books in there. I'm pulling out the original one from 2006. I think you're having one of his other books that he has, which is still the continuation of this research of the importance of having a social intelligence, so- social skills, how to put yourself in. It's not enough to have it in your head. You've got to be able to get out to communicate and interact with your social environment. And that's where some of these skills really are not well developed in many folks who really need them, which is why the example of the engineer who's brilliant, but he's a recluse. He just likes to sit in his office and sit with his architectural tools. And it's just socially awkward. And but they still get develop- lonely. OK, so give us the title of this one. It's called Social Intelligence, the New Science of Human Relationships. It's just okay. the basis of, for which, you know, it's the same types of concepts. It just comes from 2006. And that's just the one I have in my library. <clears throat> I pulled it out because I was looking at some of these things I'm still hearing in the news. Social cognition, social um, facilities, again, just the ability to interact in your environment effectively which is, again, instead of IQ intelligence, it's social intelligence EQ. You know, it's funny because um, my brother doesn't listen to the show. We live somewhere else, so I can say this. But we've always talked about how, you know, he's a genius. He's so smart, but he's uh, been not bitter, but always cognizant of that I've done better professionally and socially than he has, even though he's more intelligent. He graduated in the top 1% of his class at West Point Military Academy. He would have physics uh, textbooks, and he'd go to the professor and say, uh, this is this is uh, incorrect in the physics textbook. Like I I saw this and this this is wrong in the textbook, and he's just brilliant. But he never really could understand why I did better in my career and life. And a lot of it, one thing that I've noticed about him with not being um, aware of like those, some of those social norms that he with male bosses thinks that 
okay, he knows he's smarter than the boss and he has a better way of doing something. So he presents it in a way that I think makes the boss feel like my brother thinks the boss is an idiot, which he may, but you have to present it in a way that doesn't make your boss think that your boss is an idiot. And exactly. That's the point. The how you're doing it, not just the what. Yes, it's the how. And uh, his, but the female bosses... Like, they really like him. They like that he's a problem solver and he has good ideas and he can think better of what better ways to doing things. But the male bosses, he told me not long ago that he had his eyes shut during a meeting. So he likes the overnights because then he doesn't have to interact with a lot of the mucky mucks and the hierarchy. He just can be a boss kind of alone and he has a lot of autonomy. And then... He had his eyes shut during a meeting. So his boss called him in and said, I don't appreciate you sleeping during the meeting. And my brother was so angry. He said, here are the bullet points of everything you spoke about. You talk about A, B, C, and D. And then you expanded on E. And you said this and this and this. And like proving he wasn't asleep. Well, it didn't really make his boss feel any better that, okay, you weren't sleeping, but everybody thought you were sleeping. And now you're mad that we thought you were sleeping. And then you're recounting everything from the meeting like verbatim. Um and he doesn't understand why that might be deemed unacceptable. He's like angry that the boss called him out. It's just so bizarre to me that he wouldn't get that you can't close your eyes during a meeting. But that's the whole point of he didn't get. There are a lot of folks who are just brilliantly genius, brilliantly gifted in some areas. Social skills are typically not one of them. And this is, I think you and I did a segment about a year ago about the, do we forgive genius when they don't have the niceties? If a surgeon is brilliant and will save my life in the operating room, I'm okay if he's not exactly Mr. You know, um, uh, Susie Sunshine at my bedtime, you can, at my bedside, when you're doing that bedside manner that we always talk about. Yes. you can have that. So there in lies where the function of the social intelligence is, is geniuses have, they exist on a different plane. They're brilliant, but they can't always communicate those ideas of their brilliance because it's a different skill set. And I think and too, we aren't all gifted. they don't have time for the mishmash. They don't have exactly. time for the minutia. Like I have a friend who is a physician and a lot of the women she works with gets offend, get offended because she doesn't take the time for all the niceties. She's just like, that's right. wrong. Why didn't somebody call the patient, you know, A, B, and C? And then, uh, you know, I'm next, I've explained to her, people aren't as intelligent as you are. And you have to use some of that touchy-feely stuff for them not to be offended. And <laughs> I um, have this with my military students. And they're like, but that's not my job description. I'm just supposed to accomplish the task. This is the mission. This is what I do. Boom, boom, boom. I'm like, yes, but how you do it might help you get it better are dead completed faster more effectively more yes deal because when you're you see someone and you can interact with them they want to work for people who they like and if and you might be you able to retain may, more employees she was an er doc so that, that that's another reason she just gets to the point well and that's hard I, i've seen this in judges i've seen this in tech people i've been there is they're very driven because they're brilliant in what they do but the communication and getting that brilliance and sharing with others to help that's where I come from my leadership classes. And that's why the social stuff, it's not just the what, the what is often fine. It's often the how we do it to be able to get others to do what we want them to do. 
and everybody wins. But yeah, a lot of folks going, I don't have time for these social niceties. I don't have to do it. It's just like, to get to the point, it's like, but that is the point. If you make time for the niceties, it makes the rest of it go down a whole little easier, kind of like the Mary Poppins spoonful of sugar. You can give bad news, but you can give it nicely and people will thank you for it as opposed to, you know, the bull in the china shop. Method, well, and so. can can it be taught? Like with my brother, he really hasn't changed his mode of communication and he's been very lonely. He doesn't really have male friends. And then uh, his relationships, he's in one now, uh, but it's difficult for him. And even with family relationships, he used to go to my cousin's house and just kind of show up on the weekend like he would at my house, right? Like, he's welcome and he's part of the family and uh, he would just be accepted bringing along his latte machine every weekend and kind of planting himself in the middle of our family structure. But for my cousin, she didn't appreciate having him just land at her house on the weekends and uh, be there with his latte machine and kind of take over their weekend when her husband works so hard and he's not home a lot. And she had two girls in the house that she was finishing up with raising. And so they, he kind of became uh, persona non grata. Like, but, and I felt so sorry for him because they'd be talking behind his back about how like, uh, pushy he was or awkward or that he would just kind of plant himself at people's houses. And I'm like, it's because he's lonely and he loves family and doesn't realize that you, you aren't welcoming him. Like, maybe it's on us to communicate better so this lonely person isn't excluded from all of their Thanksgivings and gatherings and such. Well, and that's the difficulty is how do we teach people who are genius in one area who don't have skills in another? Because we have social skills, but we don't have his genius. We couldn't do what he does. Right. So can we respect his ability to do what he does and help him through what he doesn't do well? That's called empathy. That's called having our own social skills or having the ability to maybe sit down and explain it to him. That's the whole premise of the movie. We have Big Bang Theory. Yeah, but some of them, some of these people that are geniuses too, they get very angry. My brother can, I mean, if he's mad at me, I apologize 15 times because I know he can hold on to a grudge for three years and not talk to me. And then once I do apologize three times, like once it was so dumb, it was over going to the grocery store. He wanted my cousin Lori to go again. I said, she already did the menu. She just got back from the grocery store. She already got a ton of things and he was livid because he wanted to make such a guacamole and he wanted to uh, Lori to go with him to get the stuff for guacamole he didn't care if she'd already gone so I'm like I'm so sorry I'm sorry I shouldn't have gotten involved I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and then he'll lecture you on why he's offended you did what you did after you apologized 10 times so I'm just a professional apologizer with him because he but gets so angry it's not previous- worth it Right. But your previous segment was how do we negotiate some things in there? And this is the challenge is we can't control how others show up, but we can control how we show up. If we show up differently, they often will show up differently. And many people will say, well, it needs responsibility on both parties to be able to make that negotiation and partnership work. Agreed. But if that partnership doesn't work because somebody doesn't have those skills, isn't it our responsibility to help build that bridge, to help them have those skills? Most people will assume, well, my boss needs to come to me. Well, great, but there are ways that you can manage up and you can lead up and you can help those who don't have some of these skills get better rather than having the outcome, which is often that that conflict and that, oh my gosh, he's going to go off the rails because people can't take the opportunity to see what you recognize, Angie. That's what makes you so brilliant. You recognize the social awkwardness and you've found a technique that can maybe mitigate some of that. Maybe he needs to find a coach to help him 
soften and learn those skills if he can recognize them so that he can match his genius with some of the others. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. But oftentimes we expect people to have these skills and we shun them when we don't. Might we consider it a little differently that maybe we show up differently so we can help them show up differently? If it was my son and he was a teenager or younger and he'd been diagnosed with Asperger's, my brother never was. He's like 60 Mm -hmm. now. And so um, I've just, it's too difficult to help him and he doesn't want the help. So we placate him. Uh, My mom's a professional yes man, yes mom, yes woman. And um, I just kind of, uh, if I see that I've stepped over his boundaries and made him mad by saying maybe Cousin Lori doesn't want to go to the grocery store again because she already did all the shopping for the week, um, then I just, I know if it was my son again, I would work on it, you know, therapy, the family, we have a family therapist that helps us communicate better, but with him, it kind of is what it is. But I think this is fascinating. Again, this Daniel Goleman book about emotional intelligence. Uh, Dr. Cheryl Lentz, we're out of time. Uh, where do people find you and your books? And if they'd like to write a book, you help with that as well. I do, and I appreciate that. DrSherylLentz.com. Call me anytime. Well, definitely a thought-provoking segment, my friend. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT.